0: Hello, it's August 21st, and welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian has been recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot, south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border, are called the Blackfeet. North of the border, the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stoney Nakoda, now Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nation, the Sutina. I also acknowledge all of the Indigenous that are First Nation, Métis, Inuit, and other uh, status or non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that it can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I think I know as I walk down my red road. I'm Michelle Robinson. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman. I was born Michelle Elliott another very English-sounding name, which has afforded me a privilege in a colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act Imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower and the daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act and Post status card. And I was born in Calgary. Why acknowledging my lineage and where I was born matters is because even though I'm native and even though I was born here, my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My indigenous nation still roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people, in Treaty 11. I'm a uh, native to Turtle Island, and my nation is a visitor to the area of Clincho Tine Indahay, or a many horse town named after the Calgary Stampede in Dene Satuin Yati. My cousins are the Sutina, and I have a Patreon account under Native Calgarian, which you can pledge and support. So I want to thank Kenna, Sharon, Diana, Judy, and Nathan for signing up, and I also want to say a huge thank you to Amanda for being a new uh, sign-up account person. Um, if you have any questions, any comments, nativeyyc at gmail.com to send in those comments or questions. Violence against Indigenous people is just my reality. Every generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to just speak freely, without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear my opinion, but sure want to tell me theirs. And more by people who literally know nothing about Indigenous people, know nothing about colonialism know nothing about the constant surveillance of indigenous people our protests our vigils and our rights and they certainly don't know about the indian act and they certainly don't know about the systemic poverty imposed upon us you know there are people who are gatekeepers there are people who live off the status quo or people who are in their trauma so there's a lot of resources being depleted and a lot of people trying to stop doing uh you know work Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And it's kind of sad. I needed a podcast to have a boundary. So, you know, here we are. My hope is my mother or my daughter my, and my family will be proud of me in the future. And just trying to understand, you know, what it was like being Indigenous in 2018. And, uh, yeah, they can understand where my perspective was. Um. I want to start by wishing the Muslim community Eid Mubarak. The community is celebrating Eid um, al-Adha, and um, yeah, I just know it's a big deal for for those who are Muslim. And I just want to say, howdy, neighbor. Also, want to put out uh, some cultural safety in action so that you can create a safer place for Indigenous to speak. Um, having good intentions is not enough. Take action to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions of those who, with more understanding. Find the allies, create a support system, and um, advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your learning. Read, reflect, and ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from Indigenous people. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and bias. Question everything you have learned about Indigenous people and take steps to um, actively disrupt the stereotypes. And commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Asking um, and understanding about colonialism and the legacy of racism is going to be an ongoing and difficult task. And if you Google cultural safety and indigenous, there's lots of great information out there. And I know here to help bc.ca was really great at uh, giving me some, you know, talking points in the, at the start here. Uh, Internalized racism is the situation that occurs when a racist system is when a racial group uh, oppressed by racism supports the supremacy and dominant of the dominant group maintaining or participating in those sets of attitudes and behaviors and social structures, ideology, and um, systemic racism, it manifests itself in interpersonal, institutional, and cultural so like you will hear about, say, uh, an Indigenous Nation's Child, well, well, bleh, child Welfare Office um, may be discriminating. And, you know, these are the types of internalized racism issues that we're facing. Um, if you look it up internalized racism, there's tons of tools and resources out there. So I strongly encourage people to read about that. So speaking about racism, <laughs> all this week, conservative MPs were professing their non-racism with more racist remarks about indigenous and immigration. You know, they're on record for being the most, you know, having the most racist policies on immigration. Uh, so racist against indigenous that it literally launched, I don't know more. Um, and uh, Stephen Harper was quoted at one point in time as saying that missing and murdered indigenous women aren't, isn't even on his radar. So, There's lots of proof, especially this week, about the need for public officials to have anti-racism training. Um, Also, a reminder that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission call to action uh, number 57 is public education for uh, all public servants on Indigenous issues. So, you know, we really need people to understand the need for this anti-racial training. So, yeah, if you haven't seen, uh, you know, the white supremacist being defended by the conservatives, you've got to go check it out because Walking Eagle News or This Hour Has 22 Minutes couldn't even make this sub. Um, but I'm not going to let, you know, the progressives of Canada who don't understand colonialism or think the sustainable development goals are fantastic when they're really just whitewashed, undripped targets off the hook, you know, they're losing it this week over Saudi Arabia. And um, I just find it hysterical when they talk about human rights because, one, Canada sold a whole bunch of those arms to Saudi Arabia. We're part of the you know NATO group that is perfectly okay with selling not only these arms but being involved in a lot of the military operations. And um, it just shows they don't understand the surveillance Indigenous people face, whether here or globally. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I try to tell people solutions and the united Nations declaration of rights of indigenous people or undrip i mean that doesn't just apply to canada that literally applies to you know palestinians in israel this literally applies to uh people who are from saudi arabia whether you're from africa this declaration was made by indigenous people from all over the world they they all agreed these were you know key things that we all needed to work on so you know for people to say that they are so overwhelmed by the Indigenous issue just shows they're not listening to us. They're certainly unaware of RCAP, which is the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People. They don't seem to know about the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People or the 94 Calls to Action for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. The guidelines, the frameworks, they're all there um not just my generation previous generations have been telling um all the canadian governments at all the different levels there are reports after reports after reports on issues with indigenous with the justice system and none of these reports are ever implemented so if we could really stop this conversation of oh i'm so overwhelmed and really work on listening to indigenous people and the you know incredibly professional reports that are out there and available To the public, if you Google the 94 Calls to Action, you can find them right now and print them off. If you look up the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, you can print that off. Um, So speaking of which, uh, I had a book club on Monday, and uh, it was on the Child Welfare Calls to Action. Uh, Those are the first five of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission Calls to Action. And uh, yeah, shockingly, not a lot of people had read them. And uh, we, so we had to go over them. We had to go over, you know, the bigger concept of how Indian residential schools was the original child welfare to try to uh, apprehend the kids and, and, you know, perform cultural genocide, as well as actual genocide. And uh, it was an interesting night. We had well over uh well we had 19 people but two of them were babies and um we had five indigenous voices at the table so there were actually quite a variety of uh, perspectives to talk about those things and uh, a lot of non-indigenous who came to listen and you know ask qu- uh, good questions so that was really positive so i'm hoping that uh more people will be inspired to start book clubs or start uh, talking discussions on the 94 calls to action because obviously it just can't be one level of government doing it. It needs to be provincial. It needs to be municipal. Um, it was brought up, the White Goose Flying Report is a Calgary report of a municipal lens looking at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. I would argue it's quite conservative, but at least it's available and at least there are some target goals there. Um, of course, my Interest is the justice component being implemented towards all levels of municipal um, agencies that wear uniforms. Um, I would also argue that federal jurisdiction of like railway police and such should all be implemented in the, in these justice calls to action. Um, so yeah, strongly encourage that if you have discussion groups. That are happening in your area on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission 94 calls to action. I'd love to hear about that, and I'd love to promote it. So please, don't hesitate to shoot me an email or uh, however you want to contact me. Um, I want to give a shout out to Naomi Sayers. She just got her uh, law degree, and she co-authored a book called Red Light Labor: Sex Work, Regulation, Agency, and Resistance. and You know, there will be uh, municipal policy guidelines in there. So I got to get that book ASAP and read that book and see how we can apply that maybe to our area or see what differences that there are that maybe don't apply to our area. But I don't know for sure. So we'll have to look into it. Um, I uh, advocate for sex workers and I advocate for their rights because it is just absolutely discriminatory against women that um, that. Is, though there are laws against that, um, I want to bring up the fact that uh, there's a component of missing and murdered Indigenous women that's directly related to the um, criminalization of sex work. And because of that, it makes such an unsafe priority or unsafe um, unsafe environments for Indigenous women who are forced into poverty because of governmental policies through the Indian Act, so um, I think that uh, we need to be honest about imposed po- poverty. We need to be honest about um, imposed colonial violence. We need to be honest about the justice system being part of that colonial violence, and of course, the government's complicit, um, complicit. Well, I guess the being complicit in producing sex workers who are who are just trying to feed their kids. Um, because that of course is part of the child welfare issue is that, uh, neglect. And, you know, if sex workers need some money and then this isn't just an indigenous issue here in the Northeast, we had a beautiful young little girl and her mother recently murdered. And, uh, this directly impacts my own friends, um, because they're in this area and the mother was, you know, just trying to get some extra money because child support payments weren't coming in. So, you know, sex work is, is not just an indigenous issue. It's a women's issue. Um, unfortunately a huge mothering issue, a parenting issue, and, um, we need to decriminalize it. So I strongly support the work of Naomi Sayers. I, uh, you know, beg people to follow her on Twitter, read this book and yeah, hopefully we can have a book club with it. So if anybody's interested in having that conversation, don't hesitate to shoot me a text or, or, uh, email, um, also want to talk about uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and the LGBTQ2 plus community, the two-spirited people. Uh, these communities, and I'm going to quote directly from the Native Women's Association human trafficking uh, fact sheet. You know, these communities face higher rates of trafficking and exploitation as they experience the lack of supports and multiple forms of marginalization, sometimes within their own community. Um, they have a, great fact sheet link, I had retweeted it, nobody else retweeted it, but I mean it talks about um, a lot of uh, the need to support survivors, and that um, NWAC, so the Native Women's Association of Canada, they believe that all Indigenous women are valuable, uh, mournful, and entitled to autonomy and support. Women are impacted by distinct experiences of human trafficking, survival, sex, uh, sexual exploitation, and sex work needs to have uh, stigma-free and equal access to appropriate programs and services. This includes justice services, health services, including reproductive justice, trans care, um, mental health care, um, HIV testing and treatment, drug treatment, basic preventative medicine, economic security and housing. And again, I will bring up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action um, on health to this day, I still don't have a family doctor. We face so much racism and sexism within the healthcare system, and um, and I'm not even a sex worker, right? Uh, I'm not two spirit, so I have privilege. And if I don't use my voice to talk about those things, um, we need other advocates to do it too. And I hope to inspire other people. And I hope that you know my my child, my grandchildren. I hope grandchildren. Um, you know, or future generations in general, just know this is what we were facing here in 2018. And, um, you know, even if it's uh, an ignorance, at the end of the day, we're still ongoing genocide. And it's because of somebody's ignorance. So at least someone in the future generations can know, like the Naomi Sayers were saying, why aren't you doing more on this? And um, even for myself, I try... To talk about it as much as I can and work with all levels of governments, whether federally or municipally, on these issues, and and I will continue to do so. Um, and all of this is incredibly important because it's uh, Pride time here in Alberta, and um, you know it's interesting because I've been talking about racism within the LGBTQ2+ community, and you know a lot of people are still not adding the two to acknowledge, um, two spirit and their acronym. They're still, uh, retweeting the Edmonton Eskimos with a pride flag when literally Edmonton Eskimos is a, you know, hashtag not your mascot issue. So the dehumanization of indigenous people. So, you know, I just, I just want people to know if you're non-indigenous and you're retweeting Edmonton Eskimos pride flag, I see you. And you might not think you're being racist, but your ignorance is still racism. And you need to look into that more and see how much dehumanization Indigenous women were facing. Um, Indigenous two-spirit people are facing. Indigenous trans people are facing. Um, Yeah, we, of course, are speaking English. Not even speaking our language anymore, thanks to colonialism. So anyway, uh, Pride Flag is going to go up at the... Uh, Calgary Municipal Building at uh, noon on Friday the 24th. Um, I want to thank Dave for inviting me to go to Gadar at Twisted El- Element that same night, but it's at 9.30. So it's kind of close to my bedtime. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to stay up, but we shall see. Tons of more events for Pride happening. Um, really encourage a lot of people to go to um, the panel discussion for queer people of color on the 13th. Or sorry, the thirtieth. It's a Thursday, from seven to eleven thirty at Dickens Dickens Pub. Uh, I think that one's going to be incredibly important for us all. Uh, A little interesting moment was that uh, I was trying to talk to a friend about um, how privileged it is for the police and you know for us to not uh, us as you know voices as a coalition of of queer people of color and two-spirit people and uh, chosen allies to, you know, be protesting unity in uniforms, it was really hurtful to, uh, to many of us. And I, I speak for myself, I can definitely say to me. Um, so anyway, out of that came a, you know, hey, why don't you come join me and come to this unity in uniform and be my date? So I, I'm going to go and, um, I'm just going to double check with voices whether or not that's the right decision because I'm still a co-founder of voices. And if I'm not seeing enough movement, I don't know if it's really my place to be going, but at the same time, maybe I can go with like, um, you know, literature of explaining some of the education, indigenous education, the people of color education, anti-racism education that needs to be put forward. You know, this is called for in the white goose flying report. This is called for in the truth and reconciliation commission calls to action. This is called for in the UN declaration of indigenous peoples. So yeah, I don't know. Just keep working and hopefully one day will resonate. Uh, you know, our our one of our co-founders, Evans, is going to be hosting a patio party that night. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. Um, something really interesting happened to me last week. And I, I was invited to come to this uh, production, this theater production called Downstage. And they did uh, basically a living room reading. And it, it was actually really great because, well, number one, I knew most of the people in the room and they were all really cool people from the Calgary arts community. And, um, we got introduced to this play called Smoke and it's going to be coming out on February 13th. And I definitely encourage everybody to buy up some tickets now. And I'll just read to you what their premise here is. And it's, um, Jordan, Adian's ex shows up at Adrian's apartment to confront her about the allegation that Jordan sexually assaulted her two years ago. Um, The smoke is thick and the town is burning. What will it take to put it out? So the concept is we're in a small town and there's uh, a lot of smoke in the air, which is really interesting considering that's been happening here in Calgary. Um, Anyway, the, it it was perfect to be at this play, right? And we were all talking about the smoke in the air. So, they want to change um each night so one night they want to have jordan being um a male and then one the next night having jordan be female and playing this character in that way so it was just a small segment that i got to hear but it was really impactful and you know um they had done this presentation to a lot of people in the room that have some kind of like activism in the room or something to that effect and uh, so I just encourage that we at least start with a land acknowledgement, and um, yeah, and apparently they they normally do land acknowledgements, so that's good. But uh, you know, I just definitely want to see more Indigenous inclusion, more Indigenous hiring, all those things. But in the meantime, if you uh, are kind of interested in what I'm telling you, uh, this is kind of a conversation of you know consent and Me Too, I would love for you to to support this. This is a downstage production. And uh, the tickets go on sale on February thirteenth, but they're all. They will accept donations as well if you're not uh, able to make those those dates. And it only plays for two weeks. Uh, lots of other things are happening in the city too. Um, October fourth is Sisters in Spirit vigils across the country. Uh, here in Calgary, we had a, a committee meeting, and our Facebook page is up. They have the poster already up. Uh, There's a conversation happening right now with uh, Joey English's mother and her family. So look for those updates as soon as possible. As soon as uh, we get the poster and that, it'll be uh, maybe something I'll have um, Stephanie English come on and talk about uh, some goals and such that she's working on. So um, please, no matter where you are in the country, go to those uh, Sisters in Spirit vigils And if you are out of the country, because we we were having a look at some of our um, people and we see we have a few people that are out of the country listening, um, go to the Canadian embassies on October 4th with your missing and murdered Indigenous women signs and honour those families. Because I think uh, Idle No More really mobilised a lot of people internationally to see the Indigenous issues that we're facing. And, uh, you know, if you don't see something happening in your area, be that person who starts that protest or starts that vigil. Because at the end of the day, just lighting a candle and having a simple sign saying we honor missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls and two spirit. Huge, huge to the families. And, um, you know, and it puts pressure on governments that are not willing to listen to reports, as I've talked about on DRIP. Uh, TRC, and um, RCAP, uh, multiple, multiple, multiple reports in the justice community that need implementing. So, you know, there's so much work to do. And if you want to be a part of that, I know I would appreciate it. Um, Dr. Dustin Louis from the UFC, he put out an article on the sexual exploitation prevention education for Indigenous girls. I put up the link before, I think I should probably re- reshare that one because it it's a good article, and I I keep bringing it up in the hopes that people will have uh, have read it. So maybe I need to make that a book club selection, actually, um, and we'll do that. But actually, in my r- actual book club that's that I work for in my nonprofit of uh, Twelve Community Safety Initiative, our next one is going to be Seven Feathers. So I know a lot of people are you know have read that book or are reading that book. So here's an excuse. The Facebook page is up on 12 CSI and you're more than welcome to post in there. But the bigger uh, thing I would like you to do as well is consider posting um, a positive review and recommendation for an Indigenous author, because I think it matters more to promote Indigenous authors and have really valid uh, reviews by non-Indigenous people. So I definitely encourage that a little bit of fun this weekend went up to fort or i went up to edmonton and then visited fort edmonton with my uh, daughter my granny and my mom um and it was the best weekend to go because they had treaty six days and there's nothing more than i hate than whitewashed history so you know i would argue that fort edmonton needs to work on being way more wheelchair accessible thank goodness my grandmother could um you know get up and and take a few steps here and there So that um, when the wheelchair was stuck, we could move it. Um, But regardless, my granny, she's 84 years old and she rode the swings and we went on the merry-go-round and just had a great time. And what really mattered the most to me was that my daughter got to have these great memories with my granny and with my mom. So, yeah, I had a wonderful Sunday and I sure give a positive shout out to uh, Fort Edmonton for having treaty days uh, got to meet a wonderful young man, Brett Jaeger. Uh, he said he, he uses Jaeger on Facebook because he got interested in German things at a certain point in time, but you know, uh, Cree man had a long, long ponytail or a long braid. And he spoke of, um, indigenous issues. He met a lot of the guests where, where they were at, um, you know, understanding indigenous issues at all. Most people just didn't. So, you know, it was a pretty light conversation and, uh, for the most part, and my it was brought up that my granny survived Indian Residential School in Fort Providence. So, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting experience, and I'm grateful for it. Um, my daughter this week is taking a wonderful camp, Camp Ingenious. And thanks to Braining the Sweetgrass uh, organization here in Calgary uh, through Hall Services, they were able to um, uh, direct us to this camp. And this camp is uh, directly about science, technology, engineering, and math. So the STEM uh, camp, basically. And my daughter's learning, you know, coding and soldering. And these are things I was never exposed to in small town Sylvan Lake. So I'm really, really happy that we made the decision to move to Calgary to raise a family because I know... She would never have these opportunities in a small town. I mean, maybe now it's a little different in Sylvan Lake because there's like 13,000 people, but not when I was little. So uh, a little bit of a... I mean, I talk about pretty triggering things through this whole thing, so I don't know if I need to give a trigger warning, but I will in this case because uh, I came across something that was really upsetting and pissed me off. Uh, I go to anger first before I go to recognize the hurt i understand the iceberg of of anger and underneath is all the hurt so i know that's a thing but um i just wanted to give a rest in power to celeste who's three bella who's four and shannon who's 34 from colorado shannon was even pregnant when they were murdered by Shannon's partner and the father of Celeste and Bella, and that, that unborn baby as well, obviously. Um, he decided to have an affair with a co-worker, and uh, first he killed the children, and then he killed his wife. And I think those of us who are in domestic violence, uh, family violence, know that uh, most abusers will, you know, kill animals and then kill the children. In front of the mother in order to um be a total jerk um asshole demon i don't know you use your descriptor um i know that i don't want to demonize all abusers i know we want to heal men but in this case we just want to give a rest and power to celeste bella shannon and that unborn baby um the bodies were found on the property of anadarko petroleum corporation uh the oil company that uh, he worked at and i think for a lot of us indigenous who know a lot about man camps and the violence indigenous women have always faced when it comes to uh you know whether it's the railway whether it's roads or whether it's uh oil exploitation the violence against indigenous women that is always faced well I don't think that this family had any Indigenous in them, but we definitely know that it's a pattern. And um, uh, the father of the mother that was murdered made a brief statement and said that he thanked the authorities for the help and thanked the community for the outpouring of support. And uh, he said to keep the prayers going for their family. So if you can maybe light a uh, candle and uh, think of Celeste, Bella, and Shannon and the unborn child in Colorado as that family mourns. Just think of them and maybe hug your family a little closer. So with that, I'm going to, um, end today's episode, but I do want to thank, uh, Kenna, Sharon, Diana, Judy, Nathan, and now Amanda for, being part of the patron account for pledging and supporting for Native Calgarian, um, if you value listening and you can afford to give, thank you to those who cannot o- afford to give but listen in. I would love to hear from you at nativeyyc@gmail.com. At um, send in your comments and questions. And by the way, we're now on iTunes and Google Play. And I actually did get a comment. And it's my, uh, (laughs) it's not my first one, but it's my first one that I got permission to talk about. So I was actually kind of excited that somebody was willing to, uh, give me a comment. So, um, this was the conversation that we had that in, uh, the second episode, fear and loathing at about 14 minutes in, I say that nobody would say to a Jewish person that we need to mitigate the nuances. And, um, you know, she, she doesn't feel that way. She thinks that people um, do think that it's okay. Um, but she also said that, um, how does she say this? I've been listening to your podcast and you exude a calmness and an invitation to listen. I think the comparison of a Shoah survivor isn't quite the right one. Uh, it is not an acceptance of Jew- Jewishness, but an assimilation into whiteness, which has occurred more in Canada and in the U.S., whereas the Britain Jews have a slightly different standing. Um, I have met plenty Holocaust deniers, and mean re- and I mean regular folk, not even super alt However, your point about Indigenous issues still being ignored is an important one, I'm in no way challenging that fact. And, uh, you know, I just kind of had to probe her to really understand where she was talking about. That um, that comment was the one that she didn't agree with. And um, she also said that there has not been an acceptance of Jews as Jews in this world. Only when we play into the hands of the more powerful players like Britain or the U.S., but only if we stay within predetermined lines. Also, I wish much better for Indigenous people um, than the lot Jews Jews have. Um, So that's her nuances. Um, I wish for real self-determination and real reconciliation, not to be played as, uh, you know, something that is really apparent in English politics at the moment. And... um, so I asked if I had permission to talk about. She said, absolutely. And um, also mentioned that, you know, this, this hurt is still being used to hurt Palestinians, which she uh, doesn't agree with. And um, But she said, in short, the narrative is, is that Israel is the only safe place for Jews, hence to be held on to all costs. So there's a lot of my hurt right there. Anyway, have a wonderful uh, book club and may the conversation be fruitful and enriching to all. So that's my first comment, uh, that has been sent in. And if you have any thoughts or comments about, you know, Jewish issues, Palestinian issues, um, indigenous issues, by all means, send them in. Love to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah, we'll go from there. So thank you so much for listening. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, but this is episode 10, episode 10. We had episode eight previously. And if anybody's listening this far, tell me why you think that is at nativeyyc at gmail.com. And with that, I'd like to thank my partner Darcy for always helping me with the audio and the production. And I hope to hear from you by episode 11. Thank you for listening to Native Calgarian.